You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, hey everyone, my name is Mickey Avalicino, and like Haley said, um, I was an intern for Purpose about a year ago. I miss it very much, so it's great being back. And a little bit more about me, I graduated from APU about a year ago now, crazy, um, and I studied social work and ministry, and now I'm working and going, going to school. I'm out of school. Um, I'm working and living in the Bay Area right now. Um, And when I was asked to speak today on body image and eating disorders, it was really kind of a full circle moment for me because if you were to tell me that five years ago, I probably would have laughed at you because I would have said, there's no way I'd be talking about that. So it's really cool to just be here with you guys today. Um, And before I get into my story, I just want to preface by saying I could talk about this all day long for hours and hours. I'm not going to do that to you. So there's a lot of things that I won't be able to touch on. It's something, eating disorders, body image, there's so many layers to it. And the reality is, you don't know me. You, you know, you've never met me before. (laughs) Um, And I don't expect you to have the same experience per se that I did. And so you might have gone through something very different. You might have been bullied as a kid for your weight. You might have had trauma or abuse growing up that kind of triggered an eating disorder. But my hope is that that what I say tonight might be just like a glimmer of hope um, for you through my experience. So going back to when I was younger, um, growing up, my grandma, my mom, my aunts were usually on some sort of diet, and I was used to weight being a topic of discussion. At family gatherings, people would talk about each other's weight, whether it be good or bad, and I remember the first time I was aware of my body was when I was about five years old, and my grandpa told me I was fat. I remember that even though I didn't really understand fully what that meant, I kind of indirectly was taught growing up that that was a bad thing. We don't realize how much from such a young age we absorb how others view and talk about their bodies and then proceed to internalize it ourselves. I remember not fully understanding what it meant, but I remember sobbing in my mom's arms when I got home. What he had communicated to little me was that I wasn't good enough, that there was something that I needed to be improved or fixed. And from that moment forward, I remember every single time someone degraded my appearance, and every single one is burned in my memory. There was a time, however, that I remember being free where I didn't think about what I ate or the shame surrounding it, a time where I didn't pick my body apart or think it wasn't good enough. There was a time where I was blissfully unaware of myself. It wasn't really until high school when I became surrounded by others that dissected themselves so closely that I began to to be aware of how much space I took. I remember friends standing in front of the mirror, pinching their stomachs, saying that they needed to lose weight. I would look at my own body that was bigger than theirs and wonder what they thought about me. Because they were unsatisfied with their bodies, I felt like maybe I should be unsatisfied too. I felt like it was something that I I didn't fully grasp until way later on that how much that had affected me. I remember listening to friends proudly expressing how they would hardly eat dinner just because they weren't hungry or about a juice cleanse they were doing or another diet that was changing their lives. And I started comparing my lunches to theirs. High school was also a time where I was exposed more to social media. I'd follow famous people on Instagram and wish I would look like them. I'd see fitness influencers and watch them talk about their 30-day challenge that would change your body. I would compare myself to other girls I knew. I started to buy into this idea that bodies were something to be improved. 
When I was a sophomore in high school, I suffered a severe concussion that took me out of school for two months. Fun fact, I've actually had six concussions, but that's a whole different story. Um, and as you guys know, probably from COVID, two months off of school is not as fun as it sounds. Um, during that span of time, I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't watch TV, I couldn't be on my phone, I couldn't read, I couldn't even do homework. I was pretty much prescribed by the doctor to sit in a dark room. <laughs> and for those two months, I was very isolated and alone. And at that time, concussions, they still kind of are, were pretty misunderstood. And a lot of people assumed that I was kind of dragging out longer than I needed to. I knew people were talking about me at school. I also kind of felt forgotten. Friends didn't really reach out or check in on me and I felt kind of abandoned by people. And during this time, I was struggling with binge eating and I couldn't really exercise. Food has been a comfort and a means of coping for me and my anxiety. When I was anxious, I would eat. I had gained some weight during this time period and I was just so frustrated by my lack of control. So I made a decision. I decided that once I got better, I was gonna start working out and eat healthy so that I would stop binging. And in my mind, I wanted to take control over my health because I felt so out of control. And eating disorders are often rooted in this need to control something or a trauma response to a lack of control in other things in your life. I was lonely. I felt like it was me against the world and I was gonna focus on myself. I didn't want to need anyone. So that's what I did. I started working out and committing to it and eating extremely healthy. I'm a very all or nothing person, so I really just went full force. I stopped eating all things that, were, that I was told were unhealthy. I stopped eating sugars and carbs and it felt great at first. I was starting to take care of myself. But it quickly turned into my whole world. I worked out every single day, and if I missed a day, I would stress about it and obsess over it. If I ate anything that was deemed unhealthy, I would regret it for the rest of the day. I would weigh myself constantly. What started as an attempt to become healthy became an obsession about how I looked. When I returned to school after summer break my senior year, I lost a significant amount of weight, and it was really noticeable. Suddenly, I was getting all this attention from guys. People would compliment me on my weight loss and my body and my clothes. People would tell me that they wished they looked like me. People who really didn't give me the time of day before suddenly wanted to get to know me. It was everything I ever wanted. And yet, it confirmed my worst fear. That somehow, suddenly, people found me more valuable because I was smaller. Felt kind of gross. And I started to wonder if people only wanted to be around me because of my thinness. I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was happy that I was loved and accepted, but it felt so shallow. And yet, I had won people's affection. And I felt like I needed to hang on to that love and validation, feeling the pressure to maintain this body that I had created. There was also a lot of people who questioned my weight loss, people who would ask me if I was okay, but it was never really in a compassionate way. It was often passive aggressive and kind of hurtful. People would make comments asking me if I ate or talked behind my back. Friends that I trusted, I began kind of pulling away from. I felt so misunderstood and like I couldn't trust anyone. And again, it confirmed this idea that it was me against the world. My obsession with health and fitness consumed my life. I hated going out to eat with friends because I wouldn't have control over the calories. Sometimes when we go out, I would say I wasn't hungry and I wouldn't get anything and just eat at home. Regardless, I would have difficulty being present because I was anxious the entire time I was out. Sometimes I would tell people I couldn't hang out because I was afraid that I wouldn't work out if I didn't go home right away after school. I dreaded holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas, things I used to love because I was afraid of all the food I'd be surrounded by. 
Sometimes I would bring a Tupperware of my own healthy food and eat it in secret. This healthy lifestyle turned into an obsession and fear of gaining weight. I had gotten everything I wanted, but I was still miserable and alone. I still hated myself. But I refused to believe that I was unhappy. Two days after Christmas, my senior year of high school, I went to the nutritionist because I wanted to see if I should be eating more fats and proteins. I still had this idea that my ultimate goal was health. And I was sitting on the little examination table thinking that I was gonna have a typical chat with the doctor, but I will never forget what she told me when she walked in. She said, your heart rate is 38 beats per minute. You need to go to the hospital immediately. I remember my mind racing as she was talking and I began to ask questions about what was going on and she stopped me in my tracks and said, Michaela, you are killing yourself. I was shocked <laughs> and I was mortified. Those words rang in my ear. It was one of the worst moments of my entire life. But when I tell you today that if I hadn't been told by a doctor that I was literally killing myself, I don't think I would be standing here in front of you today. I think I would still be living the way that I was living, and I don't know where I would have ended up. See, whenever I thought of eating disorders growing up, I thought the stereotype you see in TV shows and movies, people who didn't eat at all. I ate every meal, so why did I end up here? But with all of the exercising, the severe restriction, and the lack of calories I was consuming, I, it simply wasn't enough to nourish my body. I was in the hospital for a week doing inpatient treatment to get my heart rate up. And during that week, I had to face myself. I felt so much shame. I felt like everything that everyone had said about me was true. They were right the whole time. I felt like an absolute failure. This was the first time I had stuck to something and committed to it and was successful, but it was all a lie. All the people who had complimented me and my weight loss were unknowingly complimenting me for harming myself. I was so ashamed of how shallow I'd become. All of my worth was in my appearance. It's all I thought about. I was angry. I felt stupid. And I want you guys to hear this. I don't want this message to make you feel ashamed for the insecurities you might have or fault you for some of the decisions that you make based on them because nobody willingly chooses it. It's not all your fault. Because eating disorders are a psychological illness. And it's, it becomes a coping mechanism that we develop when there's so, and there's so many layers to what each person experiences. But what I do want you to know is how God so desperately wants you to see yourself through his eyes. And I knew my worth was supposed to be in Christ, but I didn't know how to do that. I felt selfish. But in all of that anger and pain and shame, sobbing in my hospital bed, I felt like God was looking at me with kind eyes, like a parent to a child, who holds them while they cry, like my mom. I realized I was trying to do everything on my own, me against the world, but I couldn't. See, he wanted to give me joy, not loneliness and pain, constantly thinking about my body. He wanted me to have freedom from self-hatred. And ultimately, only because of him, I felt the hope that maybe one day, I could live freely again. And I wish I could tell you that after that week, I bounced back and everything was fine, but as you probably know, that was not the case. It took me three years to truly start to recover. And I spent those years trying to do it a lot on my own. See, I wanted to recover, but I didn't want to gain weight. I had to come to terms with the reality that I had begun this journey with health in mind, but I would take a smaller body over a healthy one. 
I had to reprogram my mind that I'd been so distorted by societal expectations. And this is so much easier said than done because I was treated better at my thinnest. But here's the reality of that. That love and that affection was so shallow and fleeting. And at the end of the day, if people don't love me or care about me based on how I look, I don't want them in my life. Empty validation is not worth my health. And I will not lie to you and tell you that society is going to shelter you and protect you because it won't. If you put your hope in society and people, it will fail you. And that's why we need to find hope elsewhere. After spending those years trying to do it on my own, my junior year of college, I admitted that I still had very disordered eating habits and that I still needed help. I went back to therapy and went to a registered dietitian, which is in case you don't know what dietitians are, it has nothing to do with diets, um, who helped me understand my eating disorder and how to unlearn some of the processes that I'd formed when I was in high school. I had to admit my own fat phobia and begin to dismantle it. See, our insecurities don't exist in a vacuum. As much as I would like to say I only saw myself negatively, the way we view ourselves is also a reflection of how we view others. When we place all of our value on how we look, we begin to cast value on others based on how they look, whether it's positive or negative. And billion-dollar industries profit off of these insecurities. Everywhere we go, we are receiving a message telling us that we're not good enough, that there's something we need to do to change in order to be satisfied. And let me tell you right now that even at my smallest, I was unsatisfied. I was still insecure. I still hated myself. I was never going to be good enough. And if you let it, society will chew you up and spit you out. With social media, the goal is to be validated and wanted. Now we have face filters that completely alter our facial composition. People your age are getting plastic surgery and posting it online. We have access to celebrities and influencers. And they look like they have everything. The perfect body, the fame, the beauty, the attention. But we have no idea what goes behind the scenes. And for many of these people, that's their whole life. I mean, I wonder why some of the richest, most famous people are some of the most oppressed. Because they have everything and they still aren't fulfilled. The question I had to ask myself was, am I going to let society control me, what I think and what I do? Am I going to let other people control and determine my worth? Because if that's true, I will be chasing perfection that does not exist for the rest of my life. I wouldn't be able to be living my own life because I'd be at the mercy of everyone else's perceptions of me. And as followers of Christ, we talk about being set apart. But rarely do I ever hear us talking about being set apart when it comes to this topic. Because it's very attractive to live like the world when it comes to how we see ourselves and others. It's very comfortable to conform to this world and how we value our appearance. There's even kind of a Christian aesthetic that, that's been created that embodies a certain look. But that's not what following Christ really is. And Jesus offers me a way of living that is full of freedom, where my worth isn't found in the perception of others, where I can understand my intrinsic value in God, where I begin to see people the way he sees people and learn to love people far deeper than the surface, begin to uncover the lies that I used to so quickly believe about myself. And it's not easy, <laughs> let me tell you. Because healing is not linear, I still struggle. But without that freedom that God gives me and without that hope for something far more than the misery that I was living in, I wouldn't be here today. And the hope that I have for you is that if this is you, if any of this resonates with where you've been or where you're at, is that you'll get help and not do it alone even if you're not sure if it's worth it to get better. 
that you'll be able to take this step and talk to an adult that you trust and start your healing journey. So that at some point, you'll be able to go out with friends and have dinner and not focus on the food and just have fun. That one day, you'll be able to eat birthday cake on your birthday and enjoy it. My hope is that we as a community can start changing our families and our inner circles of friends, that we can begin to break the cycles of bondage to societal standards and start identifying the lies. That we may start dismantling the system that has left us feeling not good enough and instead begin to see through God's eyes our infinite worth. And some things will still be out of our control. My family to this day still comments on my weight from time to time. But what has changed is what I do with those words. So I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, um, I just thank you for everyone in this room. And Lord, I just pray for everyone where they're at, whether they're experiencing an eating disorder or body image issues or wherever they may be, God. I just pray that you would feel so near to them because you are so near to them. And Lord, I just pray over tonight as we do questions that you would just be so present and so clear that you would speak to these students and speak to everyone here, God. And I just thank you so much for how much you're working in our lives. And I thank you for these crisis nights that bring about truth in so many real hard things that we go through. And I just thank you so much for who you are in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, can we give Mickey a round of applause? Thank her so much for sharing. Hey, uh, while our other panelists, while there are two other panelists come up front, I want to encourage you to get out your phones right now and to ask any questions. We already have a group of questions coming in. But this is our moment to, or this is really your moment to turn the conversation, to turn the conversation in the direction that's most relevant to you. Mickey did a fantastic job setting up our conversation, and we want to address questions you have. And so maybe you're here, maybe you're a guy or a girl, you're experiencing some body image struggles, challenges. What questions do you have? Maybe you have a friend who is experiencing uh, body issues, body image challenges, and, and you're wondering, how can I support them? We want you to text in those questions right now. So while you're texting those questions, uh, Mickey, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, I want to go to Sarah and then Tim. If you guys could just share in like one or two minutes, why are you on the panel tonight as we're talking about this? Okay, hi, I'm Sarah, and I um, grew up as a very young girl with just a lot of insecurities. And I think the eating disorder part started for me in middle school. I started to really restrict food and even feel like I would just be so much better or the world would be so much better without me, like all of these really dark thoughts in middle school. And then in high school, I started acting. Well, I grew up acting, but I started acting more and got an agent and they consistently asked me to lose weight. And so um, I continued to restrict and be on all kinds of diets. Like every diet there's ever been, I've tried, and I started it when I was a little girl. You know, I was junior high and high school, and that is really damaging, which I've learned now. But in college, um, that turned into binging, and then a really short time of my life, I was bulimic. And that was about four months in college, and I was on the prayer team, I was doing leadership, I was doing all kinds of stuff, but I had this really deep, dark secret. Um, and I felt so ashamed. And my lowest point, I remember feeling like maybe God didn't even love me and I wasn't even a Christian because every day I tried and every day I failed. And then I got counseling and God did some miraculous healing after those four really hard dark months. Um, but I still, I still struggle. I still have to pray or reach out to friends that food is becoming too much of a thing in my life. So that's the gist of it. I'm just here because I heard HSM is off the hook, so that's why I came. No, uh, so my name's Tim, and uh, I uh, struggled with all kinds of uh, insecurities when I was young, uh, and a lot like Mickey, I was kind of the opposite. I didn't chase after health, but I chased after image. So I found my identity in what media said a man was, and so the bigger that I could get, uh, you know, I, I experimented for many years with anabolic steroids, um, so I was insecure with what I felt God gave me. Uh, God wasn't a part of my life for a long time, so I chased after what 
uh, media said a man is supposed to be. And so it was about how, uh, you know, uh, good my body looked to others, uh, how I dressed, uh, how I acted, who I could beat up. You know, I found my image in toughness, you know, and I felt that that would uh, validate me as a man and that others would, you know, look at me like, oh, he's, he's a guy I want to hang out with. So I really chased after that idea of uh, looking through the world, uh, through the world's lens as far as that goes. But I'm walking with Jesus now and I have a total flipped uh, view on that. And I, I'm in good health now because I want to be fit for what God's got for me. And that's where my identity is now, is up, upward, not outward. So, mm, yeah. I, but Before we move into questions, which we are getting some really great questions, and so like I prepped you guys, if we can keep our answers really practical and quick, because we have a lot of great questions coming in. I just want to validate something real quick. I want to thank the three of you for uh, modeling for all of us what men and women of God uh, look like and act like, that you guys are willing to be vulnerable and transparent and honest. It can be so tempting to think that uh, a man or a woman kind of has it all together, that we have to put on this front that everything's okay, or I'm the coolest, or I'm the best. And you guys are exemplifying for us what a woman of God and a man of God uh, acts like and lives like. And so thank you. Thank you so much. Can we thank them for just sharing a little bit of their story already? Okay. So, again, we've got lots of questions. We've got lots of questions. Um, let's go to the first one here. Again, I love you students. I love how honest and vulnerable you are. You inspire me so much. This is, this is just coming from the heart of one person in our group, and I guarantee that many more can relate to it. I struggle with body image daily. What are some ways I can overcome this? I struggle with body image daily. What are some ways I could overcome this? Maybe if each one of you could give a quick tidbit of some practical advice, how can they overcome this? I was just going to say thank you so much for sharing that, and I'm so sorry, and you are not alone. There are so many people who are in the same boat as you, and I, there's so many things, but number one I always like to tell students or people, anybody, is that if you don't share it, it's not going to get better. And I used to think I could keep it all secret, and eventually I would try hard enough, and then it would be gone, and I would be free from it. But that's not how it works. It, it talks about it all over Scripture that we need to confess our sins to each other. We need community. We need to reach out to people. So share, even tonight, like sharing that with your small group leader or somebody that you trust, or I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but counseling, but you, you have to start sharing it or it will only grow and it will only fester and it will only get worse. Amen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of just some like daily um, practical things. I think one of the hardest things for me was social media and how much like spending five minutes could just like destroy me. Um, so I encourage you whether or not it's changing who you follow or adding people, different body types, different just diversity there or taking a break off of social media and just being able to like kind of take some time away. Um, I think that's one thing. Also, I really, if you have access to therapy, I really, really, really like I'm a big fan of therapy. I think it's really important and helpful, um, especially when it comes down to body image because there's a lot of, we're surrounded by it constantly and it's a very, just everybody has it. Okay. And, and real quick before we go to Tim, let me just give a plug for that. We have an amazing Christian therapist that, per, that HSM is connected with and she will give any students one free counseling session. And so you could go to one free counseling session with her, and then she could set up a sliding scale with you. Uh, I think it's actually on your handout that you have. Her name is Tanel Jones. Uh, she would love to uh, help you in any way she could. So, yeah, we're big believers in that as well. Tim, anything you want to share? Yeah, I'm going to suggest uh, the best arsenal that we all have in, in our weapon uh, closet, which is pray. Um, that's something that's been a powerful thing for me. Uh, I struggle with my thoughts still to this day. Even though I'm walking in the light and uh, have a good relationship with Jesus, I still struggle with uh, the enemies constantly in my head. Uh, and at times, he's either telling me it's not, you know, you're not good enough, uh, keep quiet, uh, you know, uh, go back to how you used to live. And you know, I just I say a quick prayer, and wherever I'm at, you know, whether it's aloud, whether it's to myself, Jesus, come in my mind and just take captive that thought and give it back, to, you know, give it back to the cross because that's where. You know, that's where God's basically taken that, uh, 
for us. And uh, he says, listen, I've already won the battle. So I say pray and, uh, and talk to the Lord, and he'll, uh, he'll help you through it. I love that. Thank you. Sarah, I want to go to you for um, this question. Someone just texted in, what do you, because you mentioned this a little bit in your story, what do you recommend doing after a binge day? This person said, the whole next day I sit in so much guilt and disappointment and I don't even eat. So someone has had a binge day or they've been bulimic or uh, a season of anorexia, whatever it may be, what advice would you give as they're kind of coming out of that? That is such a good question, and thank you again for being honest. Um, after a day like that, they're so tempting to say, kind of like you shared in your story, like, okay, I'm only going to eat lettuce and drink water and be so healthy. That is just perpetuating the cycle. So that's going to cause you to binge again, and all the research shows that, and I've had personal experience with that. So you have to love yourself and get up and make yourself breakfast and eat a healthy breakfast and share again share with somebody and pray as Tim mentioned but also um, I think so much of eating disorders stem from us like not fully loving ourselves or knowing how loved we are so we have to go to God with that we have to ask him would you remind me that you love me and it's not enough to just Read about it and say, okay, cool, 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 I know God loves me. But we have to, like, really ask him to speak that over us and to remind us of that. And I remember having a day like this um, when my one of my daughters was little. And she was sick, and I was going to work. And I remember she was at home, and I couldn't be with her. And I just started crying. I was telling God, like, God, my love for her is excruciating. And I felt like he told me, Sarah, that is how I feel about you. Like that excruciating love to the point where I went to the cross for you. And those are the moments that really heal me of the, the even the lingering, messed up eating that I still struggle with. The, the thing that heals that the most is like really taking time to, to read Psalm 139, to remind myself that God loves me, to ask him to tell me again and again. And he loves those kind of prayers and he answers those kind of prayers. That's awesome. Um, Tim, I want you to take this next one. We, we have some questions coming in where uh, I, I'm assuming they're coming from maybe some guys who are wondering, how would I know as a guy that I maybe have an unhealthy view of my body or that I maybe have some body image issues that I need to talk about? How would, how would we be able to maybe identify that specifically for our guys? Mm. No, that's, a, that's a good one. I think there's a lot of them. I think uh, if you happen to find yourself looking at your image, a little too much, uh, you know, mirrors. And when you're walking by things, if you're constantly concerned with, oh, how do I look right now? Or, you know, and I think that's kind of, everybody goes through that phase a little bit, especially guys, you know, because we want to have some muscles or this and that. But I think when you start to see that it's kind of consuming a little bit more than most people, I think uh, you, you maybe need to start talking about that and praying about it. And, you know, because I think that's where, when our mind goes to anything, uh, a little too much, I think that's when we need to reevaluate why. Well, what's the problem here? Why am I so concerned with how I'm looking and what's going on? So I think that would be the most obvious is once you start looking at your image a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah that's so good. Um, Mickey, I'd love for you to uh, answer this question. We're getting a number of them coming in that are basically saying, how do I help my friend? Who? So maybe I don't necessarily, I, I'm not experiencing um, a body image issue or, or an eating disorder, how can I help my friends? So maybe help us, what, the, the friends who were able to come alongside you and really be helpful, what did they do? What would you, how would you advise us who want to help our friends? Yeah, um, this is a really interesting question because I think I had a hard time because I didn't have that so much. And I think one thing I would just let you know is that usually people, and this is me saying a blanket statement, this isn't actually everybody, but at least from my experience, I didn't want to admit that I was sick. I didn't want to admit that what I was doing was harming myself. And so I think having that in mind and coming with so much compassion with your friends and being like, hey, like, because it's something that they probably don't necessarily want to talk about, but when finally, you know, honestly, no one really, like, told me anything. It wasn't until the doctor that I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? And, um, but the few people that did kind of mention something or just keep me, you know, in mind, I think just really sitting down and talking with them, being like, hey, you know, 
I love you, and I just want to make sure you're okay, and I want to, you know, come alongside you if you're having any issues or anything, and I think just coming out with, like, a spirit of, like, love, and that being, like, your first, like, step forward, um, and they might need time. They might not right away talk to you about it, and that's okay, and, you know, you can only do so much. You know, you're not supposed to fix people, but as a friend, if you know it, talk to them, have conversations about them, say, how are you feeling today? How are you doing? You know, and if they do share with you, you know, ask them like, hey, how can I come alongside you? How can I help you? And I think one of the other things that changed a lot in me was I stopped commenting on people's bodies completely. I wouldn't compliment people like, oh my gosh, you look so good. Like, because you don't know what people are going through. You don't know where they're at. And when people complimented me, I was in the middle of my eating disorder, and it was actually really harmful. And I think starting to, you know, if you're going to hype people up, hype them up on their personality or something that they're doing. Um, but that's just my thoughts on that. I love that. Thank you. Sarah, um, if you could take this next question. So someone wrote in, how do I fix my patterns of eating or don't eat or not eating at all? So this person is maybe kind of experiencing these extreme seasons of, of binging and then just not eating at all. Um, what, what have been like maybe some healthy rhythms you've gotten in to think more healthfully about food and about your body um, and, and kind of gotten out of that rat race of the extremes? Yeah, that is such a dangerous cycle to overeat and then undereat. It's, it's so, and you know that, that's why you're asking this question. But um, I would just want to say to just anybody who's still young, which is all of you who are in high school, there is like a whole bunch of research that we know now that we didn't know back then, that when you diet, which you should never really diet, but when you restrict your food at all when you're young, like before you're fully grown, which all of you are, um, it just does a lot of damage. So it's never, ever a good idea to do that. And, but I think as far as that going back and forth, um, again, you need to talk to somebody about it and get help. Um, what was the, really the most helpful for me um, besides like having finally coming clean about it and having people still love me and pray for me. Um, another really helpful thing was I went to a nutritionist, which kind of like a dietitian who I didn't think I needed to go because I did all this research I knew about food, but she actually helped me to see that what I was eating was not enough and that was causing the binges and um, just kind of, she helped me to change my mindset on food. Food is to fuel your body. So I learned like what things made me feel amazing, like what protein and what vegetables and what fruit. And so even now I just make sure to have that stuff around all the time so that I won't, you know, be tempted to like just go to chocolate when I'm stressed. I'll be like, no, I need some, pro I need peanut butter and a banana, like knowing kind of what you need and um, just really focusing on that because our body is a temple. So just like Tim said, we need to eat so that we can serve God and we can be up for all the things he's giving us to do. And that doesn't happen when we're restricting or when we're using food to cope with all of our negative emotions. So good. I think for this next question, I really love to hear from all three of you. And I want to start with you, Tim. Um, and I really like the way this question is worded. It says, how do you keep health and fitness goals from becoming an idol? So it's like maybe we're turning the conversation instead of um, just talking about sort of the negative things. For a minute, let's talk about when we think about making healthy decisions with our food and healthy decisions with how we interact with our body. One, how do you guys do that? How do you, as the three of you have experienced at different levels, at different seasons, um, body image struggles, how do you think about healthy living, um, healthy food intake, exercise, and those kind of things? And how are those a part of your daily life um, as somebody who's kind of recovering? Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I think for me, uh, I have to balance mind, body, spirit, right? So it's not just about my health physically. It's about my health spiritually is what I start with. And uh, if I'm getting in the word, if I have a good you know, relationship this way, I can then be good this way. But uh, th for me, that's what I got to put first. And if uh, at any point I see that my health physically or anything else that I'm seeking in my life takes precedence over my spiritual health, then I think I need to reevaluate how I'm looking at it. Because for me... Uh, the priority is him, and uh, you know that's that's how I try to live now. Is uh, my focus isn't about me; it's about him. And I think for uh, you know any type of uh, whether it's image or health, if if you start kind of 
going about looking at it so much that it's obsess, uh, you know, obsession. Obsession is just another fancy word for addiction. And so when you're starting to obsess about how I look or what calories I'm taking in to point where it's taking up more of your lifestyle than God, then I think you need to definitely address that and uh, start looking into recovery from that. So. That was so good. Um, I think I definitely still struggle with that, too. And I think um, I just love the passage that talks about how Jesus renewing our mind. And so I still have to ask him that, to change my mind and to help me to not focus more on exercising or that I'm eating healthy. Um, he comes first. And so one just little practical thing that I do is in the morning before I get out of bed, or actually I, I kind of get out of bed and just kneel down before I get my phone or my to-do list, I just ask ask him to help me. I ask him to help me renew my mind and help me to live for him and change me because I think we're all tempted to um, be addicted to what we're addicted to or to have idols or put things in front of him. And we, we can't do it on our own. We need help. So asking him for help and remembering that if you've chosen to believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you and his job is to guide you and even help you with what you're going to eat, like help you with the little things and help you with the big things too so you can ask him all day long for help and he wants to help you. Yes, 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 yes. Um, this is something I struggled with majorly and I really like echoing what Tim said about the balance between our mind, our body, our spirit because what I was focusing on was just my body. That was it. And my mind was a wreck. My spiritual life was a wreck. And I had to like step back. I, I mean, I didn't work out for a long period of time because it was just so damaging and I don't think that that's necessarily what you need to do. I mean, I think that, you know, depending on where you're at, I started having to like evaluate myself and say, okay, like, can I take, I'm going to take a rest day. I might take a rest week. If that starts becoming an obsessive kind of I like idolizing thing, you know, being able to say, okay, like, this is not what I want for my life because I don't want to be consumed in this because when I was in it, I was not living. Like, as much as I wanted to say, oh, I was, like, living great, yeah, living my best life. No, I was not living at all. I was so consumed, and I think, you know, if you're starting to, if eating junk food or eating those things start to freak you out, I think taking a step back and kind of readjusting and asking God, like, okay, whoa, like, where am I at? And maybe getting help still. I think always, it never hurts to get help. Um, <laughs> But having that balance and really paying attention to mind, body, spirit is so huge because when we obsess over one thing or the other, our lives kind of start to fall apart really quick. And, you know, it's not a perfect calculation or perfect thing that you can do. And I think that's what's hard about body image is it's not, you know, we can say all this, but you're like, okay, cool, like, great, you know. But I do think that, you know, stepping into where is that, like, that triangle of kind of, like, what is important right now. And some days you need to take a mental health day. And you're like, I'm not working out. I'm not, I, like, I'm going to eat pizza. And that's okay because we're humans. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have balance. Um, so I think that's. That's really good. I want to um, end with a question that I would like each of you to answer. But I'm going to give you a second to think about it. Um, the question is this. Where did you see God show up for you um, in this aspect of your story? I think we don't want to neglect, and you guys have given such great biblical wisdom, and, you know, hopefully if you're experiencing an eating disorder, you're experiencing body image struggles, that you would know it is through Christ. It is through a relationship with Jesus and the community he gives you and therapy and support that God wants to come around you. And, and walk this journey with you. So I'd love for each of you to share that. I want to say a special word because this is a personal conversation for me. Um, I want to say a special word to those of you that will have the privilege of having someone that you care about share this stuff with you. Um, I'll never forget um, the evening that Sarah told me that she struggled with an eating disorder. Um, we were dating and we were sitting in a parking lot somewhere, and she handed me a letter. And she said, I want you to read this. And like she couldn't even look at me. She's like, I want you to read this. And I opened up the letter, and I read it. And in this letter, she just poured out her heart. She just felt like she had not shared this with me yet and, and needed me to know. 
And I remember in the letter as she was just so honest and so truthful that um, there was like written in there this fear that, that I was going to break up with her because of this, that, that finding this out meant we were done. And um, I just remember in that moment loving Sarah even more than I thought possible because she was willing to trust me with this. And I could see behind the letter was this fear and this worry that because I knew this about her, I would reject her or push her away or, or not be interested in a relationship with her. And the exact opposite was true. And that took so much courage for Sarah to share that with me. And some of you will have the privilege of someone you love and you care about trusting you with this part of their lives. And I want you to know that's an incredibly vulnerable thing. It's an incredibly hard and scary thing to do, to trust somebody with this. And I want to ask all of you to hold that carefully, to be really thoughtful about that, and to make a commitment that when they share that with you, you are not going to isolate them or make them feel alone, but that you're going to throw your arms around them and you're going to walk through it with them. Because I think that's what we've seen in their stories is that having people come alongside and love on them and encourage them and walk through this with them, God has used that. And so I want to encourage you to do the same. That Maybe even in your life groups when we go in there in a few minutes, some of you might share, some of you guys might share, some of you girls might share, I think I may have a body image issue and I want to talk about that. Hold that sacredly. Honor that. Um, look at those people in the eye and say, I love you and I care about you. And this doesn't change how I feel about you, and I'm, I'm in this with you. And so if each of you could just share real quick, what is, how did God show up for you in the middle of this? Um, well, that story, I, one of the ways he showed up for me was through people, and I remember that conversation too, and this, the, the deep shame that I felt, and um, having Eric say, you know, I love you even more, and having my friends who I finally shared with, um, just like all stand up and pray for me. And I remember one of them sharing like, me too, I struggle with that too. And that blew me away because I, I was a perfectionist as long as I can remember. And I, I really was trying to earn God's love for me. And I thought, and part of that was even in my family and the way I was raised in, but I really thought that I could finally get perfect enough and then he would love me. And then in those like dark, dark, dark moments, um, I felt like Satan had just won, like, the battle for my life. I just wasn't good enough. I wasn't going to be one of God's kids, even though I tried so hard. And to have these people come around me when I was in college and, like, remind me that God loved me and still want to be with me and hang out with me and love me, that was, that blew my mind. Because if people could do that, then I knew, oh, my gosh, how much more can God do that? Like, he, people can love me in spite of knowing this awful thing that I've been really good at keeping hidden. Um, how much more can God do that? So that was, like, so tender of him to do. Yeah, wow. Uh, let me just echo the importance of getting it out of, the, out of the darkness, right? So when we talk about some of these things that are hard to talk about with another person, we just take away the enemy's power that he just had hold of that because you're basically taking it out of the darkness and putting it in the light, and that's where it can't live and have any power anymore. So let me encourage you all. You'll see how quick you'll start to feel freedom from whatever it is once you talk about it with somebody else that you trust. Um, I'm real biased to recovery. Uh, I'm a big part of Celebrate Recovery. It's done a huge part of my life. It's a great ministry. So I'll talk a little bit on uh, just how God got my attention. Uh, uh, you know, after 42 years of uh, living a life full of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sexual addiction, uh, God made a miracle happen. Uh, I was at a low point in my life, and he took it all. And I started to find myself compensating over the next six to eight months, even though I was clean and sober. I started seeing a pattern, and I was able to identify it through Celebrate Recovery, uh, where I was going to food because I was validating that it wasn't drugs or it wasn't alcohol, so it was okay to go ahead and eat, you know. And I found that same type of addictive personality happening because of the people that were around me, the, the ministry that I was in, it helped me identify that, and God got a hold of me last summer, and he's like, you need to get back in shape. 
And that's where I was able to use the voice of God to do it in a way in which it wasn't anymore to validate who I was, but just to more be healthy and be available for what he was going to use me for in the days to come. So that was a big thing for me was being involved in a program, being around people that I could talk about these things with and take away that enemy's power by getting it out of the darkness. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I think for me, honestly, (laughs) it sounds weird, but going to that doctor's that day, I really do believe, like, the Lord saved my life. I think that, um, like I said before, I really don't think that I would be here today, maybe in this manner, but also I was risking my life where where I was at, and I, you know, I'd lost my period, so I was risking potentially having kids um, when I was older, and I really feel like God met me kind of in that low, low place of being reminded of how loved I was, and I know that kind of sounds like cheesy, but that's truly where I felt, and I, I think I find a lot of peace and comfort in God in the midst of, like, recovery because of how little I can trust society because it was, I was always kind of trying to, like, go back of where it's like, I got it, I got it, I have control, and every time I would just come back with, like, my head hanging low and being like, dang it, like, I just feel so broken, and I felt like every single time God just, like, opened his arms and was like, hey, like, Baby, come back. Like, like I'm here. I'm always here. And I think also my family was huge because they really, um, once everything kind of was in the light, they really kind of walked me through that. And there was, you know, a lot of sometimes when you are going through addiction, you cause a lot of harm to the people around you. And I think the grace that the people around me who I, you know, really affected during that time was just like overwhelming and I really felt the love of God like through that a lot because you know my sister watched me walk through that and she was affected by that you know like I said it's not like we live isolated um and so yeah I think that really God kind of gave me hope that there's something more that I'm worth more than you know this world and that this isn't my home like this isn't the end-all be-all that you know, when I die, what do I want to be remembered for? And it's like, how you look is the least interesting thing about you. And I think that that was just, like, so freeing. And the fact that I'm able to do birthday cake on my birthday is so interesting. I love it. So, yeah. Amen, amen. Hey, can we thank our panel again? That was great.